I've been held by the Savior And I felt fire from above I've been down to the river I ain't the same prodigal return
lost without hope and no place to your love made a way to let mercy come when death was arrested my life began Ash was redeemed only beauty remained my orphan heart was given my morning grew quiet my feet rose the day So free washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new. Join the 
thank you today for all you've done for us we thank you for the sacrifice that you've made for our sins and lord we know we don't deserve it lord but we uh, understand god what you've done we believe uh, that you died for our sins god that that you uh, arose from the grave on the third day lord that we might be uh, be able to be risen with you one day we thank you so much for all that you've done in jesus name i pray amen a wretch I remember who I was I was lost I was blind I was running out of time sin separated the bridge was far too wide but from the far side of the chasm you had me in your sight so you made a way across the great divide left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside and there at the cross you paid the debt i owed broke my chains freed my soul for the first time I had hope. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. You took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked out, out again. Now death has no sting and life has no end for I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb thank you Jesus for the blood applied thank you Jesus it has washed me white You have saved my life, brought me from the darkness into glorious light. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power. 
there's nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood. Because the sons and daughters, we are ransomed by our Father through Matthew chapter 4, 8 through 11. We go through, work our way through the book of Matthew on Sundays. Matthew 4, 8 through 11, we're at the uh, Satan's temptation of Jesus. I'm going to do this on purpose. We looked at the first temptation last week, and this is the third temptation. And I did it because we already had scheduled our communion day, and so the third temptation to me works its way into a, a uh, having to be able to say some things about about communion and the, the temptation. So we'll deal with the second temptation next week, Lord willing. Verse 8, Matthew 4, is where the third last temptation of Jesus starts. So read along. Uh, there's an outline of this on the back side of your announcements. If you like to use that, most of this will be on the screen. Verse 8, again the devil took him up on an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Of course, this is Satan taking Jesus and showing him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, the devil said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. We'll read that again. All these things I will give you these kingdoms, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him or to Jesus. I'm going to concentrate in, on verse 9, that phrase where the devil says to Jesus, All these things I will give you. Now, because if you will fall down and, and worship me. 
I'm only going to deal with the, these things I will give you. I'm not going to deal with the, with the worship part. There would be, could be a message all in itself, just our worship. And evidently that's what the devil craves, that's what the devil wants, and that, will, that issue comes up over and again. I'm, not, I'm just going to mention this and move on to the give you part. Um, but that's what the devil wants. He's, he's always wanted that. For us to worship him. He wants to take God's place. He wants to be like God. That's always been the temptation. If you'll take from that fruit. If you'll eat that bread. If you'll let me give you this. I just want you to worship me. He just craves to be who God is. Okay. And that temptation. And that uh, desire works its way down to us too. We don't want anybody else telling us what to do. We want to be God. But on the issue of, issue of worship, read this statement on the screen. This is not on your outline, on your hard copy. This is just on the screen. Worship is hard to find. Worship, what I mean by that. Personal, personal worship, my worship when I'm by myself with the Lord, and then, and then corporate when we are with the family of God. Either one, both. Worship is hard to find. And it's harder to keep once it's found. This has always been the struggle of the church. And it makes more sense. This is why. The devil wants our worship, instead of giving it to, giving it to, to Jesus, he wants it for himself. That's why true worship, and that's what the Lord looks for, uh, to, for people to worship him in spirit and in truth. He's seeking for people to do that. That's why it's so hard. It's always been hard. It's hard now. It, all, it, always, it always will be. And I'll prove the truth of that statement. Anybody in the room, and it's not going to be all of us, but anyone in the room who is serious about your worship of Jesus Christ, you're serious about it, you work toward that end, you, uh, well, uh, that's, I don't know, don't know how to say it. You're serious about it. You desire it. You, worship is hard to find. It's hard to, it's hard to get there. You know that's true. And it's harder to keep once it's found. Meaning, uh, corporately, we can have a service, man, you just, you felt the presence of God. You felt like you were in his presence. Felt like no one else was in the room. That's, that's that service, that time. And, okay, next week, if we can, like, maybe sing the same songs or do it the same way, it'll come back again. And you know it never works that way. Worship is hard to find, and, and it's harder to keep once it's found. This is why. Because Satan, I don't, I don't know that he really cares about as much about anything else that we do as a church as he does about this issue right here. He is constantly trying to steal us, steal from us, rob from us our worship time, individually, corporately. That's why it's such a struggle for you to find time alone with God and keep it. It is. It's such a struggle for you. You, you know you need to and you, and you want to. But it's such a struggle to find your time alone with God.
to keep it. It's such a struggle corporately to find that place. Man, we, we really worship God and today and then next week, it's just a struggle again. Okay, any of you that are serious about it, you know that, that statement's true. And I'll prove the statement one other way. If you're not serious about it, which are some of us, you're not serious about it. That proves that statement's true. Worship is hard to find. And it's harder to keep once it's found. That is true for everybody. Okay? I, was, I just want to say that because I've, I know, I know that some of us at times say, well, I'm the only one that struggles with it. You know, I'm, I'm the only one that struggles with finding the time. I'm the only one that struggles with, well, I went to church today, but I really wasn't into it. I didn't, pre- I didn't prepare myself. I feel like I'm the only one. No, you're not. Anyone who's serious about it struggles with it. He, the devil, just wants our worship to him probably above almost everything else. None of us are into that. We're not into Satan, Satan worship at all. But one way he succeeds at that is to steal our worship from Jesus. That's where it starts. Okay, I'm going to stop with that issue. Maybe another day we'll talk about that more. But um, verse 9, that place, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to Jesus, uh, all these things I will give you. I struggle to find another place in scripture where it talks about the devil giving. You ever think about that? I can't right off the top of my head think of another place where it really stresses that issue of the devil giving. But he told Jesus, I will give you all the kings of the world. Now I'm going to say right up front, right now, right here, this message, all messages are like this for me, but this one probably more than any for a while. This is over my head, okay? I don't understand it all. The issue of can he really give the kingdoms of the world to Jesus? We could sit and talk about that and what Scripture says about that because the Bible does address that some. But back and forth on, I mean, it's over my head. I don't understand it all. I'm gonna, uh, when we go through the outline, I'm only going to give you part. I'm not going give to give it all to you because I don't have all of it to give. I don't understand it all myself. What the devil's talking about is some really deep theological things, and, and I'm not, I know I haven't grasped it all yet. But he said, I will give you, Jesus, I will give you the kingdoms. Okay. Let me start this way, and this is on your outline, John 10.10. Here's the problem with that. Jesus, in describing the devil, says he's a thief. Does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, I've come that you might have life and have it more, more, more abundantly. The devil's aim is to steal, kill, and destroy, not give. Okay? So when he said, I will give you, did he mean that? And we'll look at a verse that, in fact, it's the last verse. We're not, not there yet, but did he, did he mean that? And, and Jesus knows. But the devil says, I will give, but Jesus says he's just, he's a, he's a thief. He's come to steal, kill, and, and destroy. Okay. 
some theological things, what the Bible says about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. The next screen says, sin creates debt. Here's the problem. The devil is going to give the kingdoms to Jesus. The kingdoms include the people. I'm going to give them to you so that Jesus doesn't have to work for it. What's the work? The cross. So Jesus doesn't have to pay for it. The devil will give us to him. He can, the temptation to bypass the cross. The temptation is the devil will make it easy for you. The devil will take away the cross. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this when you think about the Christian culture that we're in in the, in, in the United States especially. Not just here, but it's really here. This teaching that life ought to be easy for you because you're a Christian. Okay, you can turn on the TV or the internet or, or watch YouTube preachers. You can hear that all day long. Life ought to be easy for you. And if you just had enough faith, life would be easier for you. That God would begin to do things for you. God would take care of your debt. God would take care of your pain. God will always heal you. God's going to do this for you. God's going to do that for you. If you'll pray just right. If you'll have enough faith just right. If you'll send in enough money just right then God's going to do all these things for you and life will be easier for you. You can bypass the pain. Isn't it interesting that in the Christian church, the Christian culture that we live in talks so much about ease and getting rid of the problems and getting rid of the pain and the, the leader of our cause and the one that we look to the one we worship died on a cross for us but yet yet somehow Christians ought to be able to bypass the pain ought to be able to bypass the cross because the the devil will offer things easy for you now not everything that's easy is bad of course but not everything that's uh, bad or hard is not of God. God. Here, God asks us to do hard things sometimes. God asks us to sacrifice sometimes. God asks us to give of, our, give of ourselves sometimes. But here's the temptation. I'll give it to you. And you won't have to work for it. I'll give it to you and you won't have to sacrifice I'll give it to you, and it'll be easier for you. Be careful when the devil comes to you with easy. Be careful. You ought to, you ought to mm, think about it a little bit when the devil comes to you with easy. Sin creates debt that must be paid. Romans 7.14 for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. See, that's my problem. Sin. Uh, sin creates debt. I've been sold under sin. 
how, how, what's going to be the cure of that? I have to be bought back, sold under sin. Uh, Romans 6, 23, almost everybody in the room knows this one. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So sin creates debt. Okay, this is why the Father uh, can't, can't just say, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to overlook that. I'm just going to overlook. Why can't he do that? It's because of, in other words, the justice of God. Sin creates debt that must be paid for. That's why the father can't just say, oh, well, it's okay. I forgive you this one time. Boys will be boys, you know. And so, hey, uh, we want God the father to say, that's not a big deal. It's okay. I mean, aren't small sins okay? <laughs> I didn't hear anything there. Aren't small <laughs> sins okay? Some of you are saying, well, I sure hope so. You know they're not. Oh, well, God will overlook that. I've been good. No, no doubt about that. But you've been bad. No doubt about that. It's not the good that God has to pay for. It's not the good that Jesus came to give his life for. See, we always go to that. Well, look at all the good. That has nothing to do with it. The good has nothing to do with the bad. I mean, you're going a different way. It's not, there's no bi biblical grounds for that. Well, I've been good. It's nothing to do with it. Stop saying that. We've all been good to a degree. But our problem is not that we've been good. Our problem is that we've been bad also. And that bad God cannot just overlook it because he's a just God. It's the justice of God. It's the grace, the mercy, the justice of God. That there's a requirement that sin, sin creates debt. That must be paid for. That's why when the devil says, I'll give it to you. Jesus, I, I, don't, I cannot go as theologically deep as all that is. But Jesus knows that's not going to work. Because that's not going to satisfy the justice of God. The next uh, screen. Because of the justice of God, we are not just forgiven. Our sins have been paid for. It's not an easy way. It's not the easy route. It's the just route. It's the right route. It's the only route because of the justice of God. So forgiveness comes at a price, and that price must be paid. First uh, Peter chapter 1 18 and 19. We actually used these verses a couple weeks ago. Knowing that you were not redeemed, bought back with corruptible things like silver or gold. That won't work. From your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ. As a lamb without blemish and without spot. And staying there just a second. This is why the sinlessness of Jesus is so important. Because if he had sinned, how can he forgive you? How can he pay for your sin if he can't even live out and pay for his own? 
So it's with the precious blood of Jesus, without blemish and without spot, that we have been saved. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Why are they God's? He bought you back. Okay? So when the devil says to Jesus, I will give this to you, he said, no. You know, maybe I wish that would work, but I know it's not, it's not going to work. There's a price that has to be paid. The last scripture, John chapter 8, 44, Jesus has strong words in his description of who the devil is. He's talking to the Jews, Pharisees at that time. He said, you're of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. The devil, he was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. Okay? Getting ready to take communion this morning. And I could not help. I thought about all of that. I thought about the blood that, we're, that the juice commemorates, remembers. And it's through that blood that we have been set free. It's through that blood that our sins have been forgiven. It's not through anything we've done. It's not our good. It's not anyone else's good. It's Jesus' good, and he paid for ours. What I'm going to ask you to do this morning as we take communion, and it is exactly as Paul described it, what Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance. Do this as a remembrance of what I've done for you. What I'm going to ask you to do as a congregation is as we take, uh, actually before we take, we're, we're get, uh, getting ready to pray. I want the prayer to be about this. I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. Simple as that. I chose Jesus a long time ago, but I still do. I choose Jesus as the payment for my sin. I choose to worship Jesus. Not anything else, not anyone else. There's not a Satan worshiper in the house. I know that. But what this is today is a reminder, because that's exactly what communion is. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm reminding you again. We do this four times a year, maybe more. And the reason we do that, it's a reminder. And so today for us, the simple prayer that I want to put out there for you and me, I choose Jesus again. I choose Jesus again. This morning, I choose him again. This morning, I commit myself again. This morning, I say by coming, I worship him only again. It's saying that I get it that worship is hard to find and harder to keep, but I'm going to do that. I choose Jesus again. Some of you maybe have never chosen Jesus for the first time. This is a great time. 
I choose Jesus this morning. Some of you are like me. You've been a Christian, it seems like, your whole life. But that's what this, this is. It's a chance for us to, to recommit ourselves, get ourselves focused again on what's truly important in life. I choose Jesus again. I'm going to ask the congregation to stand. I'm going to ask the deacons if they would come on up to the front row. And Grady is going to sing for us, and we're going to pray. This is our chance to examine ourselves, commit ourselves. Um, this is our chance to pray. If you need to come, want to come to an altar and pray, and by doing that, you're saying, I choose Jesus again. I choose Jesus right now. I choose to worship him. I choose to uh, receive his blood as the payment for, for my sin. I choose Jesus ag again. If you'd like to come and pray, this is our chance to pray before we take the bread and the juice. when I come to die and when I come to die give me Jesus give me Jesus give me Jesus you can have 